Welcome everybody. Kelly here. Happy Friday. Uh, raise your hand if you want to get coached and otherwise I will riff and talk about my week and how it applies to coaching and you guys. <laughs> um, there's a group online called Leverage and Growth Accelerator. I don't know. There's a Facebook group I'm in. That's like a membership that costs some money. Not that much though. It's like 500 a year. And then they're doing the leveraging growth like online summit right now, which is their fourth year. And somehow I got involved like four years ago when it started. And I was like watching these, it's only doctors and watching these doctors talk about like their side gigs and their whatever it is, right? Real estate, uh, developing products, developing online courses, uh, all, all sorts of like wanting to do things, not just in clinical medicine, right? It was basically the gist and um, just supporting each other and finding like-minded physicians, right? And I remember like looking at these doctors and being like, wow, like to be to be interviewed for that would be pretty cool, right? I had like none of this. I didn't have a podcast. I would, wasn't a coach. I didn't have an online course. I hadn't written a book. I hadn't done a TED talk, right? Like this is four years ago. And then a couple years ago, I can't remember if it was two or year two or three, they were like submit to be picked to be, a, a, you know, somebody that they interview for their annual summit. And I submitted and I didn't get picked. I'm like, well, whatever, not, a, not a biggie. And then this year they were, this is, so this is year four. And this year they're like, can you, we'd like you to be a person that we interview and I'm like, I don't have time. <laughs> I'm like, that's the difference four years makes of like wanting to be up there, applying and getting rejected and now being like, yeah, no, I don't have time for that. Like, what's it going to do for me? And, and I ended up doing it and it was awesome because I want to give back to that community that like has shown me what's possible. Right. And now that I might be an inspiration to other people. So, so now I'm paranoid that you guys can't hear me. Let me just check my preferences. Audio. Good. Okay. So I did my interview with P Dr. Peter Kim, who is an uh, OB anesthesiologist and does a lot of real estate stuff on the side. He also has a podcast did my interview and then did a like 30 minute live with the group yesterday. And all it was, you guys, was doctors limiting beliefs like over and over and over again. I don't have enough time. I don't know enough. I need to get another certification or something before I can start. Um, how do you keep going when you don't have any followers? Like, that's all it was, was like limiting beliefs and the power of knowing, like kind of like from the meta standpoint of like knowing these are all just people's limiting beliefs and here they come like rapid fire and everybody thinks they're like, they're so unique. Their situation is so unique. They're like, as in the recovery, you know, 12 step program, they call them terminally unique. They're all just very terminally unique about our, our unique problems of like, no. Once you see them, you see them as limiting beliefs. You see them as like 
just the block that's keeping you from taking the next best step. It's like you're like a samurai and you could just be like, oh yeah, that's just a limiting belief. Do I want to keep that? Do I not want to keep that? Why do I have that? What do I want to think instead? Like the power of coaching in that was like amazing. And people are like, how do you do it? It's amazing, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, you just decide. You just decide to live the life that you want to live instead of waiting for somebody's permission to live the life that you're supposed to be living. It's like so incredibly powerful. So that was my experience this week. Raise your hand if you want to come on for coaching. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep talking about myself <laughs> and my week. I'll tell you about my TED Talk. I gave a TED Talk, you guys, last Friday, in case anybody didn't know. I want to assume most doctors know what TED Talks are. Like my husband legit did not know what a TED Talk was. He's like, is this a big deal? <laughs> and I'm like, thanks for keeping me humble, my handsome, handsome husband. But uh, TED Talk is basically the Olympic, the Olympics of public speaking. That's what I did not invent that. They said that. Um, but to craft an idea worth spreading, pitch it, write it, revise it 8 million times, love it. And then have, I have a friend right now. She's not a doctor. I have a friend right now who's in the like editing stage of her TED talk. And she just got like ripped apart. And she's like, she texted me after she was in her like coaching group for it. And she's like, I felt like it wasn't a safe space. I felt, you know, that they, this was not going well. And I'm like, this is their job to pick apart your talk. It's not because they don't like you. It's not because they don't want you to be safe. It's because they legit want the best TED talk out of you and you love your topic. And you love your topic so much, it feels super hurtful that other people are like dun, 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 samurai sorting it. But I'm like, their job is to get, have you get the best TED Talk and like editing it for the lay person who might not understand your topic as much as you do, right? Editing it, memorizing it to fully understand what it being embodied, what it means for it to be in your body. It's amazing. And then going to it, dressing, doing the dress rehearsal, all the stage stuff, the fake eyelashes, the haircut, and then delivering it and like really feeling like you gave it your all. And my brother actually texted me afterwards and he's like, what was better, finishing surgery residency or giving a TED talk? And I'm like, interesting question, hadn't considered it. But uh, I'd say finishing surgery residency was better. It was a bigger mountain. But the TED Talks, I mean, that's a small, small group of people who've done who've done TED Talks. It was very cool to do it. My topic was, so my, thanks for asking, my topic was adult sex ed will unbreak the world is my idea worth spreading. And with the theory being we got, if we were lucky, we got disease and pregnancy prevention plans around puberty with whatever kind of schooling or parenting that you got. And now that we're adults and we kind of figured out like, yeah, I understand how not to get pregnant. I understand how not to get diseases, but I'm in, I might be in a relationship or I might be single, but sex is meh. Sex is not interesting or I don't have a lot of orgasms or it's not pleasurable or I don't desire it or I don't know how to talk to my partner about it. Like all of these things that I call adult sex ed. 
it's not it's not disease and pregnancy prevention plan that's like basics and so basically at my talk was breaking down what biopsychosocial means because all this experts this is what i find to be true if you find something that you super resist either in another person or out there like lean into it because there's something to that resistance i hated the word biopsychosocial i hated that word and now i'm like that word's right when it comes to sex. It's biopsychosocial. It's biology, psychology, it's sociology of your sexuality. And so my TED talk was adult sex ed will unbreak the world. And I broke it down. It made it, I basically made it a class. And I was like, class is in session. You only need to know one word. It's biopsychosocial. Bio is biology, what's going on in your body. Psychopsychology, what's going on in your brain. And social is sociology, what's happening in the world. Our sexuality exists within these three containers. Can you tell I've memorized these things? <laughs> I could like give you my TED talk in like a year. I could still give it to you probably because it's embodied. Like to understand what like embodied is of like, you know it so well that you, then it can become like a creative expression. And like you can work on like emotions and your hand movements being congruent with your words. And when you say movies, you point up instead of pointing down because you look up when you watch a movie. Like lots of cool public speaking stuff. If, you, if it's in you to do a TED Talk, fucking do a TED Talk. It's amazing. All right. I will, I'm happy to keep talking about me because I had a hell of a week with the Leverage and Girls Summit and the TED Talk. Um, but raise your hand if you want to come on for coaching. There we go. Peace and love. Good morning. Such a good name. How are you? So good. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yeah, you're great. Okay. Mine should be quick. I just want your thoughts on whether I am overthinking or being petty about something. I mean, uh, we always are. Because <laughs> okay. we're humans. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm a fellow. You're like, and I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I guess right. Thanks. Thanks for the help. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, I'm a fellow. Um, and uh, the other day I was letting a fifth year know we were both assigned to an attending in clinic and I was letting the fifth year know that I was going to go and spend the day with another attending. Um, and his response was, okay, just make sure to let like our attending, let Dr. So-and-so and Dr. So-and-so know. <laughs> And I was like, I don't know. I was like rubbed the wrong way. I'm like, why is this fifth year telling me that I need to make sure I do this and this? You know, I don't know. I was, I was really, I was, I didn't say anything to him. I was about to text him and be like, um, why are you talking to me? Like you're my superior, but I didn't say anything at all. I decided to let it go. Cause I thought maybe I'm just being a little like I'm overthinking it. Fair enough. That's it. Uh, I know. I think it's a total legitimate question and a perfect thing to talk about on coaching. Like thumbs up. I have a five-year-old and she's always like, <laughs> um, how long have you been, how long have you been in the coaching world? Mm, probably 
about five months now. Five months. Okay. Awesome. Uh, I never want to assume like anybody knows what the hell I'm even talking about. So <laughs> feel free to ask questions. <laughs> um, I mean, it's always about like, the cool thing about coaching is it teaches us to take a step back and to be like, humans are going to do human stuff all the time. And it's rarely ever actually about us. And like, it's a very nice way to kind of gain power over like, dude gets to say whatever dude wants to say. And my decision to actually let it bother me or not, that's where I have all my power. I can't control him. I can't make him not say it. I can't. And I can't understand why, why he said it. You know, he could have said it for like five different reasons. Our brain's just trying to like interpret and figure out the world. And so all of your power is being like, is in like, dude's going to say what he wants to say. And I, it means nothing about me until I make it about me. Right. So the question is, dude said, make sure to tell Dr. X. Mm -hmm. What was your, what was your, what did you make that mean? My initial like reaction after, you know, when I read that text was who the fuck does he think he's talking to? Right. Yeah. And then when you think that thought, how does that make you feel? Angry. Super. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and in knowing that of realizing like he could have done it just because he thought like, Hey, we should let the team know because communication is key to a healthy team environment and blah, blah, blah. Like it could have been totally benign. We don't know until we ask. Right. And we and like when we do this coaching long enough, we realize like our language actually sucks. So we have no idea why he actually asked that. And our brain had to fill in the blank. And that's where all of our suffering came from. Mm -hmm. But if you're like, dude said, make sure to let X know. And you put that in like a court of law. But we don't actually know why he said it. And eight different people could have eight different explanations of why. True. Sure. Right. So, it's, it's all our power to be like, he, I know he said it because of X. And let me tell you the whole story why. And we've got background on this. And three months ago, right. I'm like, that's all of our story we're making up. Right. Right. And I, so a little backstory with this particular resident. See, I, there's always a backstory. Right. And probably where, why, where like some of my emotions are coming from. I asked him once to make sure to cover someone's clinic because I was going to go see a case that's uh, something that we don't get to see very often. It's something I plan on doing in my practice. And in the initial response was, yeah, okay. But then when he realized what time the case started and that uh, clinic was going to start about an hour and a half after the, the start of the case, he said, you should be fine like to make clinic. And I responded that, you know, that's fine if the case is over, but if it's, if the case is still going, I'd appreciate if you'd go and cover this attendings clinic. So he doesn't start without, you know, some assistance and he didn't go. And so that was like maybe a month ago. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's where my frustrations with this particular resident is coming from. Totally. 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 And it's so good to know, right? Like, that our stories are additive because our brain like wants to, are, are we're just like meaning making machines. And then the brain's already like, Hey, I already got some data on this. So I'm going to even quicker put it on this current scenario. Mm -hmm. Instead of being like, I don't know why he actually said that. And furthermore, he's not the boss of me. And furthermore, in like three months, this guy's not even going to be in the same town as me anymore. 
Right. Or, you know, whatever I'm, I'm making stuff up, but like for your day-to-day piece, being able to like step back and be like, doesn't matter why he said it. Right. Man, man said words. Right. I love the whole thing of like, who was Selma Hayek? It was somebody, somebody famous who's like, when somebody talks to you in a, in a language you don't understand, literally meaningless. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's so true. Right? Like, dude said something in Japanese. You're like, I don't, literally don't know. He said it in English, but he didn't tell you the reason why he said it. Right? Right. And it's still like why our language is like, it's amazing like anything actually happens properly at all with like how crappy our communications, like... We say words, the other person has to interpret what it means. Then they have to interpret what we said when we said something like it's legit a challenge. Yeah. And and just realizing like our brains fill in all the gaps, but at the end of the day, is that causing us more suffering than it needs to? Right. And that's where, that's where I struggle I think this time I actually did it a bit better in that I decided not to respond and I, I haven't said anything. And I, I talked to a co-fellow about it yesterday and he was like, I wouldn't even let it bother you. Just keep, he was like, he's not important. Just keep going and finish your fellowship. Yeah, totally. And then like, then, you know, all the personal growth of like leading with curiosity in your own reflection, not, you know, whatever that guy said a thing, he went and did clinic of like, isn't it curious that I feel like, people are trying to control me. Isn't it curious that, or whatever it might be, like when you have time to actually reflect on it, like it really bugs me when I think people want to tell, you know, need to tell me what to do. Like if only to really understand, I think the power of coaching is like to really understand yourself, like to understand ourselves so well. And this is like a lifelong project, not like you got to figure yourself out by the end of fellowship, but like, what makes you tick? What do you really respond well to? What triggers you like again and again and again, right? Of like, that's where this amazing personal growth is. Is like, I'm super triggered when I think people tell me that I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Super triggered by that. And like my awareness of that now really helps me in my life. Like, is it true? That, you know, people want to just tell me I'm I, that I'm not good enough all the time? Or is that like just part of my artwork? Like that's just my wiring, right? And so there's so much to like understand ourselves in how we reflect of what other people are doing. Because mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day, man, we cannot control anybody. And you're going to see 30 people a day in clinic for your career that you we literally can't control that. But our health system says we can. We get graded on how much they like us. <laughs> it's a whole bunch of bullshit, but it's it's you can't control other people. <laughs> and we get so wound up, right? Like, I got a bad review. It's like, well, you because you can't control other people. But you can learn a ton about yourself and be like, I struggle with compassion when I feel like I'm being threatened. It's good to know. What do I need to do? Mm-hmm. Um was that helpful? Yes, it was. Thank you. Man says words, dude. All the time. Man says words. <laughs> and then we get to decide what to do about it. 
Nice. Thank you. Awesome. You got this. Hey, good luck on finishing your fellowship. If I don't talk to you before, Thanks. it's an it. effing big accomplishment. Thank you. Congratulations. Oh, we've got a shamrock on here. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. I'm not wearing green, but my kids wore green to school. My daughter needed to bring something edible to share that was green. And I was at Target yesterday and they had edible grass for Easter baskets. And I said, that's what we're bringing, edible grass. <laughs> Not grapes. All right, team, who wants to get coached? Who's confused? Welcome in. I feel like you guys, I haven't coached you guys in like a half a month. I was very busy with the TED Talk. I was like clearing the schedule. I think the other thing on what we make other people's behaviors mean is like we, we our brain loves certainty, right? Like we love it. And so we're like, it's 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 gone like this the last two times, it's gonna go like that again. Instead of being like, what if it doesn't? And what can I do to make it see if it doesn't? Like I have I have one person professionally who Man, I just wish I could change them. I just wish I could. It would be freaking awesome. And I'm like to the point that I can't. And I'm like, you get to the point where like you're okay enough to play with it, right? You're like, what if this person does want the best for me? How would my interaction change if I thought that instead? What if there's like two things that this person does really well that I want to celebrate them for? Let's see what that would look like. Let's do that for a little bit. You just get to start playing a little bit more because like once you figure out not that there's rules of engagement but you figure out like you can't control anybody we make stuff mean stuff that might not be true like once you kind of learn the how the game goes you can start being like what if i just go all in on love on this person see what happens what if i just like have gratitude that they're in my life for a little bit what's that what's that going to be like today you get to start like, it's like learning the musical notes before you start like then writing a symphony, right? Of like, I get that they said words and I'm, I'm making it mean something. Okay. What if I make it mean the opposite? What if I make it mean that they actually really care? And they're like, maybe they're super rule followers, right? And they're just like, their whole thing is like, they just want to follow the rules. So we've got to have somebody in clinic. That's all they care about right? Like we don't know. Um, but how we respond and our habitual patterns and our habitual triggers, once we can like learn more and more about that, we get to be a little bit more in the like playful symphony aspect of life. Oh, Shamrock. Can I talk about rest? Yeah. Oof. 
where do I start? Um, so I did a post in the common thread Facebook today and about resting and some, a friend on there who's a, a urologist called me out and she's like, hmm, are you resting today, Kelly? And I was like, no, I'm not. Uh, slowing down and what's sl what slowing is it isn't slowing down even a loaded word right makes me feel old um and the training that we got in medical school and in surgical residency which took us out of our bodies which made us work when we're sick, which made us judge other people for taking time off. I mean, there's so much in there of how we were culturally conditioned to not rest. One super curious thing about rest that I've noticed is when I like, it, all, of my, all of my insights happen in the shower or the bathroom because I'm like not on my phone, I'm not doing something. And like the, the creative part of the brain gets to come alive with these ideas that you don't get when you're like, go, go, going. Right. And people, you know, I think when people are like, I don't know what else to do if I don't just do this job all the time, it's like, give yourself some rest and some space and it'll, it'll start percolating up. But the brain's almost like can't access the creative part when we don't rest. Um, I think it's a lot of what we make rest mean. Not only is it medical training, but it's also our American culture of like, go, 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 achieve, achieve, do, 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 consume, consume, consume. Even like the our work ethic of like, just work hard and success will be yours, right? Of re realizing like, going back to my word, biopsychosocial, right? The socialization of not resting and seeing and like putting those people up on pedestals. And listen, we all got where we are now. We're, we're all surgeons because of that work ethic. And so we're like, do I, how can doing the opposite be good for me? How can doing the opposite give me anything? Um, and I think really wrestling with the concept of rest before you're like, I'm just going to take Tuesdays off and sit around, read a book of like, if you don't deconstruct what you think that means, it's going to be very, very hard to do. And then you're, you know, then you just put a bandaid on it and you're like, see, I just, I'm just not somebody who can rest instead of like what's underlying there. Why, why, why do we consider rest to be lazy? Why do we consider rest to be unsuccessful? Kind of all of that, that stuff. And I'm not coming, I'm coming to you from a stance of trying to figure it out and trying to figure out what the next steps in my life are going to be as far as what do I say no to, what do I keep? So I'm like actively in this, like, if I choose to rest more, I might make less money. And what do I make that mean? But at some point, I'll tell you guys this, because you might not be there yet. At some point, each additional dollar means less and less and less. Like the the change in delta, right, of each additional dollar means less and less and less. You get out of debt, you get a nest egg, then you realize you're still effing going. And you're like, my body 
deserves some of my attention now. I'd say that that for me even more, like I'm doing a pretty good job at prioritizing family, but my body needs some attention. And what does that take? And you start seeing other people's bodies fail. And you're like, okay, I want to be that 80-year-old who, who is out there in tennis shoes and a hoodie, bouncing around, reading books, sharing ideas. What do I, what do I need to do to, for my future self? Do I need to rest now? Do I need to exercise now? Do I need to meditate now? Do I need to say no to something now? Um, but if we don't dig under what we make rest mean and how we're very, very biased against rest, we'll never get to where we're like, there's actually tons of medical data on the power of resting and sleeping and exercising and doing all these things. Now, one might argue exercising is not rest, but I would say exercising is incredibly good for managing energy managing anxiety, managing tension, all those things that chronically grind away at the body. Um, so I'll, I'll put exercise in the rest category. If that did not answer your question, please ask a clarifying question. <laughs> but yeah, I think for anybody to be like, you just need to rest without digging what we make that mean. It's an impossibility. And I would argue uh, if you have small children at home, it's very, very impossible to rest. They're, they need stuff all the time. But I think the work there then is, is being in the present moment as much as possible. Because I think a lot of stress comes from I should be doing this. I need to do this. In the future, I need to do that. I have to remember to do this. And we're not in the present moment with ourselves and with them. And that's an added layer of stress that we don't need. And we can you can actually train yourself to continue to come back to the present moment, to be present. All right. What else you guys want to talk about? Well, you guys are thinking I'm going to find my post today. Sometimes you just have to rest. The world can wait. Um, I think that's not, there's no time that that's more true than when you're sick, right? The sick, unwell person wants one thing. They want to be well. Realize that when you're feeling decently well, what do you need to do to be as healthy as you can, right? Jessica just posted something in here too from Adam Grant. I'll read it to you. 
Blaming and shaming doesn't stop people from making mistakes. It stops them from admitting mistakes. If people can't share their blunders, they can't learn from them, and neither can the rest of us. The best way to prevent errors is to make it safe for people to discuss them. Like, is Adam Graham just talking about healthcare in general? <laughs> this is all healthcare. Healthcare is incredibly blaming and shaming. Surgery culture, freaking Medicare. If you have a if you have a catheter-associated UTI, you're not going to get paid for it. That's insane. So people have been trying for like the last 10 years to like not have urinary tract infections with catheters, which is insane. Doesn't happen. 5% chance of bacteria a day with a catheter. It's crazy, crazy town we live in. All right, for those who just logged on, raise your hand if you want to come in for coaching. I'm just answering questions, talking about the week and rest. Happy match day for the people involved in matching. I was urology, so we're early match, so match day never, never rang. <laughs> we had our own match day. Urology matches in January or February. But for all the other people, I, I hear it's match day. Congrat congratulations for anybody involved in that. I have a med student who matched in urology a couple months ago because it's early match. She's amazing. She's like what she's done as a medical student is insane. And she's like, I'm thinking of starting a podcast. And both me and another surgeon reached out and we were like, whoa, 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 slow your roll. Like, we just need you to survive residency. And she felt kind of bummed that we had said that to her. And I'm like, listen, it's super quiet right now. It's the end of fourth year. You've already matched. You're in a good place. You've got time. Of course, you're going to think about starting a podcast. And like, you do you. But from us, from our standpoint, that we're already through that and in our own lives of like, I would like you to survive that intact with your health and your mental health and your sanity and your sense of purpose and your sense of self, sense of self-love, all of this. Don't distract yourself with starting a podcast. Another thing on your to-do list, right? And then I'm, and then so I was thinking about that. I'm like, are we, are we women of wisdom? With that, is residency so much better now, 10 years on, that like you can just start podcasts? Podcasts don't take tons of time. Are we shooting all over her and telling her that she shouldn't do something that she really wants to do? Right. And so being very clear in our like, your job in residency is to learn how to become a surgeon. Hyphen maintain your sense of self and sanity and health and perspective, which maybe is hard to do if you, even if you start a, a side gig or not, but it was just a, a nice reflection of like, who am I to try to tell her what to do and how to protect her time? But then who am I not? Like I went through that experience. I had to do a ton of healing to get to where I am now and understand that experience and understand like 
I'm not sure residency is the time to start a side gig. But again, it wasn't for me. That doesn't mean it's not the time for somebody else. But I think going back to the concept of rest, right? Of like, if you don't prioritize slots for rest, you're overachieving, driven, we have so much access and so much privilege that you can just start a podcast. You can just write a book. You can just start an online course. It doesn't mean it's the right thing for you to do or without repercussion. All right. Got about 20 more minutes. Raise your hand if you want to come on, talk about something. Thoughts, feelings, actions, circumstances, all the coaching things. Hello. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Hi. Happy St. Patrick's. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good. Welcome. Um. Okay, so uh, this is my first time actually, you know, raising my hand and, you know, I, I always listen um, and the the questions that come up are always so relevant to my own life that, you know, I never feel like uh, I even need to ask them myself. But um, uh, I guess there's something that I, I've been kind of, you know, uh, dealing with for or wondering for a, for a really long time. Um, so I'm a I'm a mid-level resident right now. Um, and we have this uh, you know, really busy senior night resident role um where you know you're you have uh just a couple of juniors and you're covering the entire hospital. And you know, it's it's very, very stressful, very fast paced. And I just I always finish this this role just feeling like just feeling awful. I mean, you know, I always, you know, I go home and I think through like, you know, all the things I could have done better, or I just, I feel like, I don't know. I just, I feel awful. And mostly I think awful about myself. And I was wondering like, like, is, is this common? You know, how, how have, you know, how have you dealt with it? You know, when you were in training or if you, you know, if you had something similar, yeah, well, I mostly just drank a shit ton of alcohol. <laughs> I've done that too. <laughs> like, it's very good for people to know that, like, I've done a ton of work. <laughs> because I used to just come home, pour the large glass of red wine, bring it into the shower with me, and take a shower with my red wine. <laughs> like, that's called coping. So if you can do anything that's better than that, like you're already give yourself a lot of credit. <laughs> but like, I think it's very important for me to like, let people know, like, it's work. It's work to try to do things differently than just drinking alcohol at the end of a shift. Right. Yeah, but like, yeah. I wouldn't trade it for the world. And because, because I did it and I'm not special, I know other people can. Yeah. And because I was cynical and because I was negative and because I was all of those things and I'm not now, like, I know it's possible. And yeah. the fact that you, like, 
that you like, what the hell was coaching when I was a resident, right? The fact that you even like have it and you're interested and you signed up is like freaking mic drop. Oh my gosh. I am so grateful that you guys started this. I mean, I, yeah, it's, it's been, you know, like, like I said, even though I don't uh, really call in, like, it's just been, it's, it's just been an incredible resource for me. Awesome. It's so glad to hear. Like, to me, I'm like a group of other women surgeons talking about stuff like this. And I think there's also power in the fact that it's not your institution. Yeah. And I think that's coming up a lot right now that I, you know, I just posted an article of like how institutions wellness can kind of like, oh, shame you or like keep you thinking that you're the problem. And it's yeah. like the fact that, that there's something that's outside your institution, it just takes off that layer of like big brothers watching how well you are. And if you're, <laughs> are you participating enough and are you doing it properly? And are you getting the proper, like all that judgment of like it being your institution is gone. There's something very cool about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let me see if I can get the story right. You're, it's a overnight shift. Um, well, yeah, it's or uh, overnight or weekend. So sometimes it's like a 28 hour shift. Okay. So 28 hour shift. And then what happens? You go home. And then you start like recycling the, yeah. the shift. Yeah. And we also, we do like morning report where we, you know, go over, um, you know, some of the services and, you know, like sometimes, you know, you don't get any criticism and you didn't know. I feel like I did an okay job. And sometimes there's, you know, uh, something that I missed and, um, and God, I just, I feel I just feel so awful about it. I mean, the last time this happened, I, I texted, you know, the attending who was uh, on overnight and I apologize. And, you know, this person was, was very uh, supportive, was very understanding, but I just, I just felt so awful about myself, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, being able to, uh, to see it and again, like why, you know, it's so, this group is so awesome, but like, to be able to see it from the 10,000 foot view of like, of course you want the best and you want to do the best and you want to not miss anything because you're a good human and you're a good doctor. And that all comes from like a very good place, right? Like yeah. we don't want doctors who don't give a shit about how the, how the shift went. Right. Yeah. And you're in a, you're in training and their job hopefully is to make you the best surgeon at the end of this as they can make you. Right. I was talking, I don't know if you were here at the beginning of my talk, but I was talking about doing, I just did a, a very professional talk and a friend is doing it too. And she got like, she just got like massacred in her coaching group about her. Like they just picked it totally apart. And she's like feeling so bad about it. And I'm like, their job is to get you to be as good of a, person, you know, product as they can at the end of it. And as much as we can dissociate our personal net worth, not financial net worth, but like personal net worth from them trying to do the best they can for the patients and to produce great residents and to produce great surgeons. And it's that internalizing of like, I did a bad job versus I am a bad person. And being very careful not to muddy those waters. 
because it's that personalization of like, hey, I could have done better because I'm learning and we're exhausted and these people are sick to I am a bad person. Which once we can kind of step back and see that, we can be like, we got to protect that. You're always worthy. You're always a good person. Let's not ever let any of that external stuff fuck with that internal compass. Yeah. Is any of that resonating? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, are there, are there techniques or are there ways that you've been able to, you know, let that go and, you know, forgive yourself and move on quickly or. Yeah. I, I, for me, a lot of it is being able to see what's happening and like, which is why, again, why these groups are so good. Cause you can kind of step back because in the moment you can't do it until you get really, really good. Like until you've been doing this for a while, but you can be like, is it possible that I'm just exhausted right now? Is it possible? I'm just hungry right now. Like taking care of these basic needs that we don't take care of in training. And if we don't take care of the basics of like, I'm just really tired and I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm stressed. Yeah. And they were like, why do I feel so shitty? I don't know why I feel so shitty. I'd like to not feel shitty. And it's like, cause we're, ne- we neglect these like basic building blocks. Yeah. Right. And so where, where I am now, just to tell you like the work I've done is like, is it, so I take a week of call at a time, which for better or for worse, it's nice because then you have weeks of where you're not on call ever for like weeks. Right. So like it works for us, but I'll be damned every single for every single Thursday evening. It's clockwork, man. Like I'm so boring in this now. My husband's like, is it possible? It's just Thursday at 8 PM. And I'm like, oh yeah, here we are again (laughs) of like, I'm tired. I'm sick of always being needed. I'm sick of having my phone attached to me for a week straight, like sick of the sick. And I'm like, I hate my job. I hate what I do. I never have time with my kids. Like I just, I get in and he's like, is it possible it's your seventh day on call? <laughs> and I'm like, God, like it's, it's laughable how consistent it is. Yeah. Of like when the sleep is shitty and you've just been on too much and all that stuff, you're like, you start being like, what the hell am I doing with my life? Yeah. I should probably Google side gigs, <laughs> like figure it out. And so for me, it's like going back to the basics of like, oh, right. I'm here right now because I'm super tired. Yeah. And this is not where I am when I'm well rested. Let's prioritize that. Right. Right. Yeah. And and it is like 28 hours where, you know, I'm barely eating or using the bathroom, let alone going to sleep. So (laughs) yeah, totally. And to me, it's like, it's so simple and so completely overlooked. Yeah. I'm like, dude, who doesn't feel shitty about you sleep deprive anybody and they feel shitty. And so it's, it's like almost to be like, this is not a you problem. This is your body being completely exhausted. And it's not like you're up for 28 hours trying to like, I don't know, manage something that's not life-threatening. Whoever stays up for 28 hours managing non-life-threatening things. I don't know, yeah. but like you're, it's legitimate cognitive and physical work as well. Yeah. And I think it's, it's so overlooked going on to like me just talking about rest of like, how much do we get trained that you are a freaking robot? 
Yeah. <laughs> and then we, be, we beat ourselves up. We're like, why do we have these negative thoughts at, at hour 29? And it's like, because the body's trying to survive at this point. That's true. That's true. And just, you know, even breaking it down to a biological of like that, of like, it allows yourself to love yourself so much more of like, I see what's happening. My body's super tired. What do I need to do right now? Do I need to go pee? <laughs> yeah. Do I, do, I need, do I need to go get, get a snack? Yeah. Do, I need to go, do I need to go on a walk? Of like being like, because then it's so much less like you're, you're not the problem. You literally just have like your robots needs to be recharged. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I wish I could just like, like shut off my internal dialogue until I can, you know, get six hours of sleep. <laughs> yeah. Oh dude, it's, things are so much better after six hours of sleep. And you know, we, when the, the, I think the power of coaching is to teach you to realize the internal dialogue is just the brain having thoughts and we don't have to believe all of them and realize the brain is going to have shittier thoughts when the body's exhausted. Right. Like the brain's not going to be like, you're fucking amazing. At hour 30, the brain's like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm hard. I shouldn't be awake right now. <laughs> yeah. I need a reset. Um, yeah. and so like the step being like, you know, it's not like change your, your thoughts at hour 30, 30, when you're tired, it's more like, this is what my brain does when I'm, when I'm exhausted, I see it now I can be compassionate for this happening. Cause this happens to everybody's brain at hour 30. Let me finish what I need to do so I can go home and get some rest. Right. Right. Instead of being like, I'm the problem. It's more like. Oh yeah, yeah. No, this is where I am right now. Of course I'm here right now. When I rest, it's going to be better. Right. That's, yeah, that's very true. But our training, I mean, it's, it's such bullshit of like neglecting the fact that we have bodies and brains that need rest. Yeah, it's, I feel like I have a little bit of brain damage after every shift. <laughs> you learn in some ways and you lose in some ways. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, we, we do amazing things learning to be surgeons. And it's absolutely, I think, a privilege to be able to have this job. Right. But if you, you can get to the point where you get to see, again, that 10,000, like to see what our training actually is like and that people people don't go through this type of training. This is very, very unique to surgeons. Right. And it causes our bodies to wear down. It causes our mind to have shitty thoughts because our mind's tired and probably not fed properly or hydrated well. Right. And just given like near death experiences all the time without any time to process that trauma. Right. That's so true. It's so true. And again, like that's why coaching is so amazing because you're like, oh, I have the opportunity to stand up on this platform and look at what's going on and to realize there isn't something wrong with me. I am a very good person who cares greatly about helping people. Just at the end of 28 hours, like I'm fucking beat. It's fine. Right. Yeah.
what else are you thinking? No, I really appreciate that. I just, um, I feel like I need to like, uh, you know, send like a scheduled text to myself at the, at the end of the shift, like, you know, just a reminder of like, you are okay. <laughs> Go to sleep. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, like Thursday evenings that I'm on call, I've been, I've been doing this for 10 years. My husband's like, is it possible it's Thursday evening? <laughs> I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> like, but when you're in it, it's really hard to know you're in it. Right. Cause your brain doesn't have the like cognitive capacity to be like, let's witness this from afar and see yeah. what's actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank that, you. I mean, that's the power of coaching is because we actually, we can take the time. Like you take the time, you can come and you can like look at it and you can be like, it's quite possible my shitty thoughts are from exhaustion, not because I'm inherently a bad person. True. Very true. No, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. Totally. Good and job. Yeah, I, Way to be here. I just want to say one more thing, like, you know, as someone who's still like in training, like it's, it's just been so enormously helpful too to hear about, you know, you know, the things that are uh that, you know, people who are five, 10, you know, 20, who are ahead of me in their career, um, you know, are thinking about and and talking about. Like it, it's so helpful for me to hear that and think about what do I want for my own, for my own uh um professional career. So I really appreciate that. This is a gem, a hundred percent gem. And I'm, I'm so glad you're here. And I think it also like, it takes down the myth of like, don't worry, once you finish, it's all perfect. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Exactly. <laughs> but I think, you know, like that arrival fallacy of like, it's supposed to be perfect now. Why am I still having problems with like people and patients and humans and complications and me and blah. it's like, cause it's life. It's just right. Life. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just, it's just different. And I just love hearing about the things that people care about, you know, once they're out, you know, in the real world. And, you know, um, it's just a reminder, like, you know, not to get sucked up into, you know, my current environment or maybe the culture of my current environment and think like, oh, this is the way I need to build my career. These are the things that, you know, need to matter to me. Yeah, totally. When I was in training, I was trying to figure out if I should do a fellowship or not. And my chair, was actually like, do you want to climb the ladder your whole life? And I'm like, no, I actually hate this ladder. And he's like, then don't do a fellowship. You know, and for your, that's for urology. Like a urology, like you do a fellowship to do academics is one reason to do it. And to realize like 90% of urologists are private practice. They're not academic, right? And you're like, you spend six years in this academic world thinking it is the end all be all. And you realize that that's actually only 10% of all the humans doing urology in the nation. Yeah. And it just kind of switches your perspective of like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, there's lots of, there's lots of options out there. Right, and, right. You know, you realizing like maybe 28 hour shifts are not something that I want to do for the next 20 years. It's good to know. Good to know early. Right. Totally. You got this. Thanks for being here. It means Thank a lot. You. Thanks for coming on too. Good job. All right, everybody, that's the hour. Thanks so much for the great morning. We'll see you soon. Love you.